Hey, Alex. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Hey, Alex. Yes. Let's start a podcast. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to Dickensian Epilogues, the podcast where Jason and I try our best to equip you with the resources and tools you need to rework your personal narrative for the better. My name is Alex. Jason is the other voice he- you're hearing. Hello. And Jason, we've got a gigantic topic on our hands. Now, I know that this is a mutually creative endeavor, creating a podcast, but there's two of us. And if we were to say... (laughs) No way. (laughs) If we were to possibly uh, have a little situation whereby uh, one of us would be racing as to who could talk the fastest or be the loudest, what would that be an example of, Jason? Um, Me being better than you, probably. (sighs) Ooh, most likely, but we're <laughs> he doesn't even fight it. Uh, that sounds like competition to me, Alex. Oh, and you know what, Jason? That is what we're talking about right now uh, today in our 30th episode. Yeah, big three zero. Big three zero. Very, very good. If Pre- we were a person, we'd be feeling over the hill right now, but without reason. <laughs> we'd be inspecting so, our chest hairs. Okay, before I go too far off topic, yes. the thing with competition that has surprised me for a long time is... So I've had some experiences in my life where competing at stuff was really, really positive for my mental health, for my outlook, for my learning new skills. Yes. Um, and in a way that was complicated and I didn't really get it until I was an adult. And mm-hmm. now I, it, it helped me reframe some stuff and, and yada, yada. But when I bring that up to a lot of people, there is a lot of controversy behind that. That Yes. I think a lot of people not just shy away from competition, but sort of believe me to be incorrect in saying that it's a positive force. Yeah. Yes. And so I wanted to, to talk about that, but before we get started, like what do you, in those two extremes, maybe how do you view competition in your life? Is this a generally positive thing for you or has it been a generally negative thing for you or have you never thought about it? Um, great question. I appreciate that question, Jason. Um, I'm going to be honest and say I'm a very non-competitive guy on the surface. Uh, in my youth, I never really participated in any sports. Uh, I never really wanted to pit my physical capabilities against any other person, but that was sort of tied into a lot of other things. Um, the digital world, however, I was highly competitive. I was playing a lot of competitive video games and um, having a lot of fun with that. But with that also came a lot of sort of stress and negativity as well because I was sort of trying to posture and get what I didn't have in the external world of like academics and sports. I was trying to sort of get that amount of self-worth. So coalesced together, I always had viewed competition as sort of a necessary evil. Something that, well, you know, people are going to compete. It's sort of, I would take like a biological model. It's like, well, you know, survival of the fittest and humans have to compete for like mates and money and things like that. And it was only until the recent years uh, of my life that I started to view it a little bit differently that... Um, you know, there's that, that, uh, scriptural quote, iron sharpeneth iron. And, and like when two people are, you know, uh, pitted against one another, champions come in pairs. And when I started to get more into like weightlifting and, and, um, other avenues of my life, I came to sort of a more measured understanding of competition where it can be construed that can be something highly toxic, but it can also be something that is very cathartic as well. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm hesitant. Okay. Right I, on I had a moment. I had a moment okay. when I was a paintball competitor and it was actually not at the height of, of my arc, but near the beginning. Yes. And I spent a whole summer training and preparing and managing a team. And we were fighting it out in this sort of low level competition. And we were plagued by like all the beginner mistakes, right? I couldn't keep a team on the field. People keep kept quitting on me. Uh, so we never had the cohesion that I wanted. And the last tournament was like a real, um, it was a mess. It was a dog's yeah. breakfast, so to speak. <laughs> so we had, um, my, my wife, who had been sort of training with me, but had a really busy summer. Right. So she was in and out. So her and I played together, but you know, we were not as on point as I would want to be in a competition. And then one of the guys who just hung around the paintball field, he joined the team and he was a great guy, but like, again, we hadn't trained together. We had only played together. Yes. And then one of my buddies like basically came out of retirement. He hadn't <laughs> played in like five years. One more game. He showed up with a gun that didn't work. Like Ooh. just a nightmare. And in the middle of the, I, I had read the book flow state a year after the experience I'm about Chicks to Chicks in the hallway, it, right? Yeah. And it ended up describing the psychological moment that I had. Yes. But there was this point where we lost like a game. It was just devastation. And I realized that I was going to have to just treat this competition as a chance to test myself. Right. Cause I, I might as well not have been on a team in, in a sense. Yeah. And there was this situation where I'm in a three on one. So the rest of my team has died. There's three other guys and me. And I felt the experience from above, wow. which is to say that I felt like I was watching the field from outside. Like I knew where everybody was. I knew what the crowd was saying. I knew what my body language looked like, looked like. Yeah. And, um, and I won, like I, I defeated these guys, but every time that they moved, I felt like I knew they were about to do it. And I didn't make a conscious decision the whole time. Wow. I just let my training kind of do its thing. In and, the zone. Yeah. And, and it's a very esoteric state of mind. It's, it's not going to be very easy for me to make it relatable. If you've had that experience, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the only place that I could have had that experience was in the midst of this competition where it was the perfect marriage of all these different things that the training was being put on the line that I've been doing all summer. My, um, the pressure was ramped up so I couldn't pretend not to care. Like the stakes were real. Yes. I paid to be there. Um, the, the competition was new to me. These were people I hadn't faced. So the preparation for the challenge was a challenge that I couldn't legitimately prepare a hundred percent for, I didn't know all the variables and, and so on and right. so on. And it was this sort of actualizing moment for me where I realized that competition was about more than winning. It was about like finding myself. Yeah. yeah. And then I went on this tear of just like telling everyone how great it is to compete at stuff. <laughs> and that's where I was introduced to the, the controversy of the statement that like competition is good for you. Yes. And with that in mind, so I, mm. I had this positive experience, but what makes competition toxic? Like, why is it hard to agree with what I just said? Yeah. I, I feel strongly that toxic 
competitiveness is independent of your skill and it is independent of whether you win or lose. I, it's it's almost like a misnomer here to talk about being a sore winner or a sore loser. Well, that can manifest differently in winning and losing. That's true. Absolutely. I wanted to, uh, I was amazed by your story and I kept thinking as you were talking about all the sensations that were going on while you were facing down those three guys and you were overwhelmed and you felt like as if it was from above and behind you, you could sense everything. And I thought to myself, what isn't Jason thinking of right now? Hmm. He's not thinking of his value as a person, what's going to happen if he wins, what's going to happen if he loses. And I feel like that ties in with my perspective on what makes competition toxic. Um, there's a great book by called Mindset. Uh, I forget the author. Errol Dweck. Thank you. I think that's the second time you've told me that her name. But, <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, she, she says a lot of, she includes a lot of stories in the book about static mindset, the opposite of a growth mindset. We enter into a competitive sphere to test ourselves. But if I feel like I am the height of what I can be, I'm not, I have grown to a certain level and I can never get any farther. My competency is tied in with my ego and I am static. I become toxic when I'm in a competitive sphere in that static way. So if I win, it doesn't matter. It's fragile. Okay, I won, but I can never get any better. So I better preserve my competency and my illusion of being a master of a given task. If I lose, it's curtains. I'm not enough. I um, am a loser. I am a loser. All of these individual thoughts. And that's what I want. That was, that's the thesis statement of my answer to this is competition. Toxicity of competition comes through your mindset and where your headspace is. If you're competing to better yourself, if you have that posture, or if you're competitive, if you're competing to get power over people and dominate for the sake of your ego. Yeah, when I was in jujitsu, I would see that manifest. Um, there were people who would lose at a tournament. Yes. And like, look, if you're new to a sport, you're going to lose at a tournament. You you should. Right. Like, I'm sorry to interject. There's a great thing. Uh, there's a great uh, go, the board game go adage yeah. that says lose your first 50 games quickly. I think the same could be said about jujitsu. Well, everything, everything. Yeah. Lose, <laughs> lose a bunch of times. You need to see that. But the thing is, like, what what you would then take away from that loss would radically alter uh, your your the toxicity of that competition for you. I saw people come back to the gym who were like, yeah, no, I did this competition. I didn't do as well as I wanted. And I learned that I'm bad at takedowns. Yeah. So that's one thing. Yeah. And then you see another guy who's like, oh, yeah, no, I, I did this competition. I didn't do as well as I thought. And I learned that I've got a lot of work to do on takedowns if I want to keep uh, getting better at this. Import. I and didn't notice the difference in those words and those phrases. Yeah, critical. I'm just it's bad at blank. Oh, right. yeah. And listen, if you're new to it, you're bad at it. Yeah, but not like, forever. True, true. It's yeah. not just bad at it. Like it's new to you. That's it's normal. That's what it's supposed to be. And you're not so a bad person. Like that's I think the extract and take out of it is like I'm entering into this new space, but uh, I don't have any value, so I must demonstrate that by being the best automatically. That never works out well. Yeah, and I, I think in that sense that the competition, when the toxic side of competition, is 
about feeding your egos and your doubts. Yes. And if, if competition is solely feeding those two things, like doubt through losing and ego through winning, I think that you have, you have found the toxicity of competition that eluded me in that fateful day on the paintball field. Yeah. Um, and, and you like, you're right. You, 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 you nailed it when you said I wasn't thinking about how good I am or, uh, how bad I am or what happens next. I wasn't thinking about the sweat dripping into my eyeballs or, yeah. you know, how much it would sting if this guy shot me or how much I could sting him if I shot him. What the Those crowd's saying about absent. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the crowd noise just became noise, which is what it is. Like it's yes. just people screaming and the, the players on the field just became problems to solve. And the heat of the day just became the ambience of the moment. And yes. those things fading away was really instructive for me to recognize that that's what I'm aiming for in future competition is to have those things just be background noise. The, they're not signals at all. They're just noise coming around you. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say, and we've sort of implicitly talked about this in the toxicity, but I also think that related to static mindset and, you know, feeding your egos and doubts is uh, an explicit judgment of people's place on a hierarchy, both yes. your place and others. And that's part of the toxicity of competition is when you make ranking worth uh, equivalent to worth. Yeah. Yes. If, if you believe that losers are losers and winners are winners, especially as it relates to the competition. Mm -hmm. I believe that you are now dealing with the toxic side of that competition. Yeah. It, it becomes like a rat race, keeping up with the Joneses kind of moment. Yeah. There's a very famous um, sports quote um, about the beauty of sport and how it can elicit such strong emotions in something that truly doesn't matter. And it wasn't meant as <laughs> a derision. It was meant as like the spectacle of human pageantry and like the, the dynamic of, of being a human and competing. But you're completely right because one's value, one's ext extrinsic value of being like a, a high performer at a sport or a video game doesn't necessarily that mean that they're a good or a bad person. It's just another facet of their personality. And it's that grasping that, that causes you to say like, oh, I am this, I am that, I'm, I'm a good basketball player. Well, if that goes away based off injury or you, you change life, like not life. if, when, yeah. like, that's the thing is good accomplishment point. is, is transitory. It is or transient. Sorry. Transient. It's not like a, I was looking at this the other day. Yeah. My paintball accomplishment, the, this, this first place plaque that I have was from a tournament that was really meaningful to me because we went out and we beat a team that I used to watch on television. Oh, wow. And okay. It'd be, it'd be like winning, uh, winning, uh, in 10 years from now, winning a basketball, like pickup, not pickup, like a friendly tournament basketball game against the Raptors who won last year. You know? Yeah. Or yes. I think 10 years was a period, maybe more like 20. Anyway, yeah. in any case, you know, beating some of your heroes and it was pretty cool. Like it was really fun. It was a great accomplishment as yeah. an amateur athlete. Like other sports don't really offer you that opportunity very often. Indeed. And I was proud of it. That was 2014, six years ago. Mm -hmm. I can't do it today. Like those same guys <laughs> are still playing. I'm not playing anymore. Uh, I'm not a champion. I was a champion. Yeah. And that's cool. Like I'm okay with that. But if you're not okay with that, then I think you you've, learned to place judgment on the wrong part of the competition because what i still am is i still am a person who knows what it feels like 
to be a champion. I'm still a person who knows how much training I put into that. Yeah. I'm still a person who knows that when it was 36 degrees outside, which in Canada is hot, if you're listening from America, do, Celsius. do the conversion from, from Fahrenheit. Um, when I was out there in the sun, in all my equipment for six hours on a Saturday afternoon, pounding it out, you know, doing drills and whatever, yeah. I know what that discipline is like and what it would take to get back there. Yeah. But I'm not a champion anymore. Yeah. That's and, a reality. And those, those, uh, um, those accoutrements, those, those, uh, I, I, the word escapes me, but like when you're festooned with like medals and ribbons, that is only a representation of basically what you want it to mean to you. Is it yeah. a representation of my faded glory and having that sort of repulsive notion of like the, the fallen from grace, you know, used to be all these things. And now like, look at me now that's like, or could it be, these are examples of what I'm capable of, what I'm still capable of. And they're only one, only one facet of my life. I've competed in such and such a thing and I'm not that I have room to grow and I have the next thing. And I think that's, that's the, the dichotomy basis based on, are you, are you arthritically holding on to the past and in, in a very rigid way? Or are you, are you sort of almost letting that go and continuing to learn more and to continue to grow more and continue to compete in other areas of your life to gain more? Okay. So competition toxic as hell, right? Yeah. So why would we still embrace it? in light oh. of all this toxicity that we're talking about. My God. Um, so I, I, I was the kid who in middle school and high school, I was the side dribbler, Jason, in basketball. Um, I know perhaps you might have seen students like that, but I would refuse to, to actually play any sport. And this wasn't based on my competency. Like I wasn't, like I was, I had a body, like I could exert myself, but what kept me from that world, what kept me on the sidelines of the basketball court dribbling a separate ball while everybody else played was nothing other than fear of being not enough because I would lose. And particularly being afraid of being like dominated by other players who were exhibiting that toxic mindset. So sure. I think it's it's important to set that framework of like, by embracing competition, Jason, we are inherently embracing situations where even though we're taking it completely on, on in a growth mindset way, we're going to be facing down people who are rigid and egoistic and psychostatic and will try to like they have their their egos involved in this. So the question of why embrace competition in light of that is because for me is two elements. One is that is life. Whether or not you're on a sports arena or in a job or even in a family scenario, we will be thrust into situations where people are going to want to compete with us and try to win over us and dominate us. And this isn't about defending what we have or, or getting into a war. It's about having the tools and understanding. Every job interview. Everything. Yeah. Even as an educator. Like it's particularly pernicious because as a teacher, I'm in my own classroom and we're all sort of hidden from one another in that space of learning. Like I don't necessarily see what other teachers are, are doing. And because there's no such thing as a raise or a promotion, like there is no real hierarchy. So it's this, uh, 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 it can become this strange world where 
the only thing I'm competing with is are my own doubts. Like, is this other teacher better than me? Are they gonna? Uh, are they teaching better than me? Are they are, like? Are they more valuable than me? Am I being judged based on that? And so, in the, in the reality, that's the one. That's the one area there. It's like we're gonna we're gonna find it. We're gonna have competition already. So it's about preparing for your daily life. Exactly. With these with these other people who are bringing their ego in, it's important not to fight ego with ego. Okay. And the second thing is, it is to me, it has become a fact to me that competition is necessary to growth. I cannot grow without some kind of resistance. And that resistance is going to come in the form of another person or my own self-doubts or my own difficulties. But I'm going to, or, or the scenario, I'm going to be competing with something somewhere. It could even be the same person in my shoes doing it before me. And maybe I'm learning from them. Yeah. But to shirk that is to be shirking the notion of growth. Okay, I agree with you. But I think there's there's explanations behind that that are... Hmm. Um, that are the real reason for embracing, if that makes sense. So, so yeah. like our, our whole premise is that, uh, competition is necessary for growth. And like, mm. we're almost taking that as an axiom. The question True. is why, like, wh why would I need that? Right? Like, is that really the only place that I can self explore? Is that really yeah. the only way to know my skill? And I'll say this, I think that competition adds stakes to the, the, the curve of learning that, how to put it, like it's one thing to be skillful. It mm -hmm. is another thing to be able to enact those skills under pressure um, when something matters and in light of failure in the past. So yeah. let's make it tangible. Um, when I did jujitsu, there are two types of people. There are people who embrace competition as, as the path to learning. And there are people who only train at the gym. They don't so, want to compete. Oh, they don't. Okay. So just they at the dojo, fight. they don't want to actually fight. They're just rolling with uh, their partners at the dojo. And yeah. Not, this, oh, okay. this isn't Kung Fu. We don't do dojos. It's just a gym. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Grasshopper. Yeah. Like I didn't call anyone sensei. <laughs> okay. Us. Uh, we did say us. Oh, cool. Great. <laughs> But it's like a it's like a joke, really. Yeah. Awesome. Supposedly, like everyone has a different version of what "os" means, or "os." And uh, I talked to so so I did Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and I talked to a Brazilian about it, and he was like, "Oh, it's like um, broken bone." Is is it would be Whoa. like kind of the translation in the Portuguese slang, oh. and it's basically like a, a sign of respect to other people who can break your bones. It's like, oh boy, <laughs> we hurt each other. It's like the reverse of namaste. Yeah, 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 totally. Where it's like, peace be with you. Like, yeah. hey, thanks for grinding my joints into dust. Oh, boy. Um, competition. and Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, tangible. Uh, what, what would happen is people hide. They hide behind this like idea of getting more skillful. And the reality is you'll get better at stuff without ever competing. That's true. Like you can practice. You can add your own stakes in small ways, but the reality is that there's this psychological element of humans that when you put me on the gym mats in front of a crowd of people that included my wife and friends and strangers, yeah, yeah. then all of a sudden, all of that, uh, the, the gym training that I had done sort of like leaked out of my ears. 
Oh and I no. Was this brand new jujitsu competitor. Like I you, I don't know how you simulate in the gym the panic of having a 200 people watching you. Whew, yeah. I don't and know then, how you do that. And not you just can't. going up to like, you know, say a speech or whatever or juggle. Like this is somebody who's going to Well, public speaking is a great a example. Like if you, oh, yeah, if fair you don't enough. compete, I mean, a compete might be a kind of a loose term, but if you're not yeah. trying yourself in front of new audiences, you're not getting better. Yeah. No, actually, you know what? You're right. I'm not, I'm being unreasonable here. That's just cause that's my, my wheelhouse. Public speaking is just, would be in the classroom as- is your wheelhouse. But if I put you in front of like 200 adults, what happens? It depends on what I'm talking about. No, the answer is you don't know oh, like, can, well, until yeah. you do it. Like yeah, that's, yeah. that's the value of competition is I if you. I gave you 200 stony faced adults, it's not the same as teaching in right. front of 20 uh, or 20, 30, um, kids yeah, it's that a I different know. experience and, yeah, yeah it's that, that unknown know. so yeah i would posit that you're good at uh public speaking to a group that you know and have had a chance to bond with mm-hmm. but what happens if you haven't bonded with what if i gave you like a hundred kids who don't care about you at all and don't know your name whole nother skill set that's right. a whole nother skill set so i think that there's this element that i'm getting at where by adding stakes and pressure um competition squeezes you into a point where can I enact my skill in light of that pressure, my heart rate being high, my blood pressure being off, my, my thoughts being, you know, more, um, more scattered and and more difficult and I'm having trouble focusing. And then you can take that back to your training and say, those are, those are things that I have to work on that my, I was mentioning takedowns earlier. My takedowns were fine in the gym when we're all going slow or half speed, or I know these guys, but it turns out I can't enact a takedown under pressure. So yeah. I need to double up the training on that, that element. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. And I think that in doing that, there's a psychological change where you became the person who, who, uh, who is capable of embracing that pressure that yeah. there is an untold or an unspoken difference in respect for people who compete and don't, don't compete in my jujitsu gym. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that it comes down to, uh, I, I can't trust that your skills are real if you haven't proven it. And when you like that, that might be a toxic element in the sense that it's coming from somebody else, but when it's coming from yourself, like now you can trust that you are capable of embracing 200 people watching you lose. And I, I would argue against the notion that proving oneself could be inherently toxic. If, if you're, and once again, the mindset to me is, is the defining factor. If I am, if I under, like, I'm not a jujitsu practitioner and I would understand that there's probably a very big Dunning-Kruger effect for anybody coming into jujitsu. They train for a year. They think they know everything, Right. And dude, they, they walk into the gym having watched a hundred YouTube videos and think that they're experts. And that's the, it's the, and it's the same in education too, with, with like, obviously there's so much written material about teaching and that's all fantastic. And obviously teaching isn't inherently competitive. It's more like cooperation. Like if we're talking about grades and right. working in groups, but there is a difference, as you said, between 
you know, uh, uh, the theory of teaching and how the desks should be versus, you know, it's, you know, 30 degrees in the classroom and you got a headache and you got to pee and you have a colleague that has a problem uh, and you think that this kid is doing drugs in the school. And, and all of those thoughts are going in through your head yeah. and you got to do differential equations. Like there's and a the different principal- element asked you for a sudden meeting without telling you what's on the agenda. And, yeah. uh, you know, like these are real life yeah. pressures. You get and, them all the time. And, and, and I think like you are putting a good case about the acceleration of understanding oneself and actualizing oneself through this competitive sphere. Like you said, a hundred YouTube videos does not equal the experience, which cannot be necessarily replicated unless you stand there in front of 200 people and and the point i wanted to make initially was what you left out is crucial because you weren't talking about people winning competitions there wasn't a difference you're not saying a difference between people who won competitions and people who lost you're drawing a distinction between people who competed and people who didn't yeah and i think the the implicit value is actually in losing a few times. Agree. A million percent. Like, I, I really strongly believe that uh, the I, losing all the time is not the goal. That's no. that's not what I'm saying. But I do think you have to expose yourself to loss. And in any given competition where there's only one winner, all, all 99%, of us lose, yeah. Yeah, 99% of us lose at least once in the course of that tournament. And yeah. in some sports, everybody loses it except for one. Like if, if it's a race, you go run a marathon and there's 500 people, 499 people are going home having lost. I always had such a big difficulty as a kid with the notion of losing. I think that's why I didn't like necessarily bring myself up to compete in any capacity. Like I would perform and do stuff, but like teasing apart the notion of losing versus being a loser, even getting yeah. a low mark on a test. Like and it breaks my heart too, because that just, especially some of these high achieving kids and they get a mark that they're not satisfied with and it destroys them. Yeah. And that's not even an inherently competitive thing, but it's because they're tied up with their, their whole self-worth is tied up with the notion of I must win because I am not good enough. And then I'm going to be enough if I win. And your perspective is so much healthier jason because if you value the notion that losing is important might not be the goal like you said but losing has value because that has there's more information to extract generally than in winning the same situation that puts you in a mindset of okay i'm not a loser why not because i lost or won because i'm taking the information from the win or loss and using it to improve my skill yeah, I want to temper it with a couple of things though. Mm -hmm. I, I'll say, like, this is a developing outlook for me. I certainly deal with the the same getting wrapped up in winning and losing, yeah, man. And, and it hurts. The other thing is, I think it should hurt to lose, and I, I don't want that point to go by. Interesting. It, it it should be important to win. It is what your ultimate goal is, and when I say you should be okay with losing. That's because it's a part of life. Like it's a reality. It's a part of testing the skill. Yeah. But you're not testing the skill if you show up not wanting to win. You, you, good point. You can't. Hmm. So there is a paradox here where yeah. what I'm saying is you do have to distance yourself from results to a certain extent. Like you can't tie your identity to the results. Yeah. 
but you have to still want to win. It has to be meaningful to get on the podium or whatever it is. And yeah, because you don't experience that when I say losing is uh, valuable, losing is valuable because you missed out on getting what you wanted. If you show up with the, the, the goal of losing, then you've already um, undermined your ability to test that skill because you're not, you're not putting the skill on the line. You're, you're, yeah. you're pulling back. So with jujitsu, for example, the thing is I should be going there to try and choke people. That's right. what jujitsu is. Yeah. The value in losing is learning like, Hey, when I tried to choke that guy, he choked me. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened? Like, Oh, okay. Well, there's some of these skills that clearly broke down and, and you have to then work your way backwards from that. That how did that person get ahead of me? Well, you know, he did this, he did that. I did yeah. this. That was a mistake that I made and you work your way back. So I think it, it is not about winning. It is about testing yourself. But maybe second to that is it is about winning, I guess. So there's a little bit of a contradiction there. I think you have to be kind of careful um, not to be too distant. And I actually think that one of the problems, I'm going to go full boomer for a second. You know, the whole like, uh, you know, we don't, we don't, the, the, the whole like, oh, participation trophies are so stupid. Yeah. We, yeah. You're, if you're second place, you're first loser. Yeah. Well, I think one of the problems, people got it wrong. Mm. It's, it's not. I don't think it's useful to have participation trophies for every freaking thing. Yeah. Right. But that's because it normalized getting hardware. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think that we should still recognize that winning is rare, you know? Yeah. Just because yes. kids are competing at a, a cross country meet and, you know, so many people are going to have to lose. It's hard to lose. And I, I get it. And I, I don't know how we teach kids to, to deal with failure. But I know that teaching them that everyone there is a winner sort of warps their sense of what uh, competition is. And we're really telling them that winning is important, but we're going to dilute the amount of winning. And I think, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. And that's toxic too. That is, that is because then there's nothing. I, I really, really vibe with that notion you said about like, it has to mean something to you because you're right. If I am not like, I, I, I liken it to like a job interview. Nobody goes to a job interview with the intention of not getting the job unless you're a masochist or a sadist or both. Um, but <laughs> having that pain, it, to me, Jason, it almost felt like a reflection of life. Like there's going to be painful moments and there's going to be situations where you don't get what you want, even though you tried your best. And that terrifies people with the static mindset because it, my best is always my best. And if I gave it my best and I didn't get it, that means I will never get better than where I'm at. You mentioned earlier, like how do we teach kids failure and to cope with that? And I don't know, I have all the answers, but I can tell you a really good first step is to actually expose them to failure. And the difference between losing and being a loser again, like, yes, you lost. I, I've, I've had this, uh, I've experienced well, I think this I, there, There's a journey, right? Like when you lose and, and kids need to learn this, there's some emotions that you feel and you have to first process the emotions. Yes. And then a few days later, when it doesn't hurt in the same way, yeah, you can start to say like, hey, what do I have to do to change that result? 
Yeah. Yeah. And even the best, like even like the Michael Jordans and the Babe Ruths would lose and get emotional and maybe like throw a water bottle or whatever. And then like exactly that same way that that whole their whole MO was about narrowing that window of just pain and trying to process that pain and then going into the, okay, what can I do next time? Yeah. So Josh Waits can last point on this. Maybe um, yeah. he was talking about this cause he trains a lot of young chess players and, and uh, martial artists. Yeah. And he was saying that the mother of a child who just lost should not tell them, Oh, don't worry. It doesn't mean much. You, they should tell yeah. them, I'm sorry that it hurts. Yeah. I, you know, I hurt too. Yeah. God. And let it hurt, you know, like let your kid experience that. And then, you know, next Monday when you're back in the gym, you can say like, okay, why did that hurt? Yeah. Well, like I, you know, maybe the kid thought he would be better at something than he was. Okay. Well, yeah. so what do we have to work on there? And you teach them a framework for um, getting over that. There's this, I keep thinking about this, so I got to say it because I thought about it like five times. There's this incredible YouTube video of a like junior league soccer uh, championship. Uh, they're all like 10 year olds, 11 year olds. And it's a, it's footage of this coach who is talking to this group of soccer players who have just lost. They got the silver medal of the whatever competition and they're all miked and it's from like a long distance camera. And the kids are all like crying. They're all bawling. They're all distraught and like choking back tears. And he's, yeah, he's not saying what you just described. Like, oh, this doesn't matter. And, and we all just had fun. He was going through like, you know, we all tried. Remember how far we've come here. That other team did a fantastic job. You know, um, you know, you, you tried extremely hard and just basically saying like, this is all, these are all the things you did right. Next time we're going to do this. We're going to do that. You deserve to, you know, celebrate how far you come. And yeah, like honoring the fact that it meant something, but not shying away from the pain. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Um, all right. So competition, be toxic. We, we talked about some ways that uh, it was toxic. Yeah. In light of that, why would we embrace it? Okay. Yes. Fair enough. Yeah. So the last thing is like, what do we do with all that? What, yeah. what do we want to get out of the competition? I think we've dealt with it implicitly. Let's go explicit. Yep. What is it that we do with competition in our lives? Okay. Um, this ties in to everything you talked about with jujitsu everything you talked about paintball because you talked all about not necessarily being a champion forever, but becoming the kind of person who could be in the heat, uh, six hours a day on a Saturday, a uh, role with 200 people watching you. And for me, the takeaway is transferable skills, soft skills, which are poo pooed by, uh, or I suppose were poo pooed by a lot of, um, you know, skill set people. And like, you need to know hard skills. You got to know how to do our Excel. But I would posit that the transferable skills you get from healthy competition, and again, focusing on mindset, growth-oriented, not being a loser because you lost, and transferring right. those skills into every other aspect of your life. My butt is being kicked so hard in Arabic right now that I want to scream. It's I'm getting into verb conjugations. There's pronouns. I'm starting to put sentences together. I'm forgetting things that I used to know and... This is obviously not inherently competitive, but 
if I was trying to get a job and get my uh, well, you can reframe you can reframe having a conversation in Arabic as a competition. Like it's Absolutely. a real life scenario. Yep, yep. If I wanted to get certification or if I was trying to you know what have you. So that like let's say the skill of Arabic I haven't really gleaned yet. I haven't really like gotten to the level of that I can uh, converse, but. I now am the kind of person who has stuck with it and tried in the face of forgetting and all of these intersecting rules and being confused and asking my tutor questions that I already asked them again and asking for clarification, basically putting my ego on the line and willing to look stupid and embarrassed in order to get the knowledge. And that's How confident are you right now that you could learn French? Dude. I love it. Oh my God. I never thought. Yeah. Oh man. I didn't think so, about that. Yeah. Like, cause yeah, Arabic wow. is so far from English. It's, it's, it's kind of really nuts. hard. It's a yeah. hard jump for me. Damn. Learning French is probably as intimidating as learning Arabic is to you right now. Je suis vraiment désolé. Je n'ai pas parlé français. Yeah. Like I wouldn't even try to say that. So <laughs> dang. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, you know anyway, what I mean? Like I, it makes yeah. me nervous to like put on a French accent and I did 18 years of French training. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, you know, our school kind of sucked, but <laughs> it, it just, uh, to, to close that point, it, it reminded me immediately of, um, I think it's Archilochus of Telamon or one of these Greeks. It's like the more you sweat in battle, the less you bleed in war and competition is not a war. And I mean, I don't want to like construe life as a battle, but I'll put it this way. Like competition Healthy competition and losing inoculates us to the greater battles we need to face in our life. And transferring our skills to that allows us to actualize in a way that's healthy. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the, the re, like what you want to bring out of competition into your life and what you do with it, I, I think one thing is use it to set meaningful targets. Indeed. Uh, yeah. Recognize that stakes and competition are going to become a part of the stepping stones of your life. So, you know, mm -hmm. if you want to get healthy, you might be signing up for races or something, some sport that's compelling to you, yeah. but in your career, you're going to have to mimic that as well. You know, if you want to get promotions and raises and all that kind of stuff, you have to be willing to look ahead six months, a year and go, okay, well, if I want to be vice president of company X in 12 months, they're going to expect these four areas of me. So I have to train them and I have to put those on the, the line in a project in my work in order to prove that I can or cannot be worthy of, of a vice president promotion. And yeah. you're going to have to repeat that process over and over and over. And you might have to go interview at other companies over and over and over and over. And so that uh, using competition to set sort of tangible stepping stones and milestones in your life, uh, I think is a really useful exercise and a really useful reminder that you're capable of growing. Yeah. Uh, and you know, when you forget about it, it's also instructive to look backward. And so sometimes like as you progress in a sport, let, let, let's say paintball, right? There was all these right. divisions. So usually right, like that first year, my team lost, uh -huh. but I got to try out for a better team because I got noticed for how well I played on the team that I was on. Mm -hmm. And then that team lost, <laughs> but we lost in a better division. Yes. So yes. when I had these good moments, I was having good moments against much, much better players. Yeah. 
exactly. and then and then on and on and on. And someday you're like, for me, I was just this semi-pro player and looking backwards and like, oh, you know what? I don't ever remember winning, but I am way further ahead than I ever was. And the current me would just crush out of hand that me in flow state four years ago. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and that's, I think, something important to, to think about sometimes. And um, when you look back at the work that you've done, for example, if, you, if the, the promotion yeah. is what you're thinking of, yep. you are capable of more now than you were then. Yeah. It just doesn't feel like it because you're the most junior guy in the most senior position. You're just not the most junior guy in the most junior position anymore. Yeah. Aptly put, that's uh, succinct to everything that I was describing. Um, wow. Yes. Uh, that This is a lot of material for that, that we've covered so far about the, to the toxic nature, the potential toxic nature of competition um, and why we should try in the, in, the, in the world where there are a lot of like chest thumping ego guys. And if it's in a jujitsu context, people that can like screw your head off like a corkscrew um, <laughs> and, and what we can extract from that. Um, I want to throw a little homework assignment to our um, listenership. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm going to think about it right now. I want, <laughs> I want everybody who's listening right now, if you're willing, to set yourself a 10-day goal. Okay? Now, think about it. Think about it. Something you can do in 10 days. Now, I want you to try to do it in five days. That's my, that's my assignment. I want you to stretch yourself and think about... Now, you can't go back if you're listening. You already had it in your head. The 10 day goal, I'm going to do this amount of things. Now, obviously if like do something for 10 days can't be a 10 day goal, but if you wanted to read hundred pages of a book in 10 days, or if you wanted to work out three times in 10 days, boom, now you got to do it in five. Even if you don't make it happen, keep track of it and keep the stakes there and make it mean something to you. Okay. I'm going to, I'll riff off that. I was going to suggest a different challenge, but too late. We're here. We're, 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 we are where we are. I did are, it. I dropped I will, that mic. I'll be a good team player here. Beautiful. Um, so here's what I would suggest that you do with this exercise. Uh, that, that's how I'll approach this. Is So you set a 10-day day goal and you try to do it in five. What you're going to do at the end of it is journal what surprised you about competing with yourself. And if you don't want to journal it, then fine. Just think about it. But yeah. I, I think there's value in, in writing it down. What you're looking for is uh, things that sort of, that you didn't see coming. So this was easier than I expected because, you know, the, the reading one, like, oh, you know what? It was actually easier to find quiet time than I thought. All I had to do was sign out of Facebook. Good. Great lesson, but write it down because I, I want you to remember this. Yeah. Uh, or it was harder than I thought because, you know, I was on Facebook for two hours a day and I never really realized it. And also it's become a real habit of mine. Write it down because now you, what you have in front of you is a tangible problem to solve. You can look at that and say, what would it take to reduce my Facebook, YouTube, whatever consumption yep. from two hours to one hour? Cause that's one hour free for reading. Great. Uh, look to the emotional challenges and emotional triumphs. Look to physical challenges and physical triumphs and you might think that those two things are part of different pursuits. They're part of the same pursuit. If you're running for 10 days and you now want to run, you were going to run like 5k in 10 days. Now you're going to run 5k in five days. You're going to have emotional 
realizations and you're going to have physical realizations like, oh, my ankles hurt more than I ever thought they would. Turns out I have weak ankles. Yep. But on the same side, you might go, oh, the first moment I get out of breath, my brain makes me want to stop. Cause oh, that's, boy. that's one for me is like specifically with running as soon oh, yeah. as I'm out of breath, I'm like, okay, I'll just stop for a few minutes and yeah. I have to constantly remind myself that that's going to happen. That's a challenge that I face. So take the, take the challenge and use that to construct a framework of how to deal with failure. And then once you've done that, like, man, you can start tackling six month goals, year, year long goals. That's right. Uh, that's right. Lifelong goals. There you maybe. Ooh, the great um, one. Oh, I keep forgetting that we're, we end up really quiet in post. I got to not oh. whisper. Oh yeah. Ah, okay. um, That's our homework. That's That's my thoughts on our homework. Competition is a controversial topic because a lot of people think that competition is toxic. However, it isn't inherently toxic and it's not inherently valuable. Competition is going to be as valuable as you make it. So if you take a great healthy mindset, you apply meaningful stakes to situations in your life while also distancing yourself from the static nature of failure, recognizing that even when you lose, you are a person who is capable of dealing with that, then you can use competition to maximize things like flow state, things like self-growth, things like self-learning. Boom. Valued listeners. We want to tell you both all that you are enough, that you are worth it. And remember, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending.